0: And welcome to episode 18 of the Perth to Paisley podcast. It is a very special episode for a multitude of reasons, to be honest. The first one is that we are joined by a guest. So I am, of course, one of your usual hosts, Daniel MacIver. I am, as ever, joined by my partner in crime, Adam Kennedy. Adam, how are you doing?
1: I'm very well, Daniel. Very pleased that we've managed to secure the services Of this young man for this particular episode So looking forward to it mate
0: Absolutely and this young man that we are speaking about Is a man that I think most of our listeners will be familiar with In, to be honest, multiple facets Uh, He's become a very popular YouTuber in Scottish football He has also made an appearance technically In the game that we're going to be talking about later As he has also been featured on BBC Scotland and in Sports Scene It is Mr. Aaron Fraser. How are you doing? I'm good mate, how are you? I'm very, very well. Thank you so much for coming on. No bother at all, glad to be here. So, we've got a very big episode to be speaking about. However, we're going to have to start this in a way that no one could have predicted that we were starting it in. Because if you're a neutral to this, then you're probably thinking, after the result you've had at the weekend, how are you not all bouncing off the walls Absolutely loving your life. And listen, we'll get there. But we do have to start with the horrifically sad news that came out at half-time of said semi-final against Hibernian. It was the news that our club captain at the time of the last Scottish Cup win and the man who has played more games for hearts than any other foreign player, Marius Salyukis, unfortunately and very sadly passed away at the age of 36 from motor neuron disease. Something that has completely come at a shock to not only Hearts fans, but the whole of Scottish football and football in general. Um, as I say, it was made official by the Lithuanian Football Association during the game at Hamden against Hebs. Some may say very apt, considering Marius's finest moment was, of course, at that ground against that opposition. In that Tournament as well. And it completely rocked everybody. So I will get into my own thoughts in a wee bit, however. Adam, I'll come to you first. First of all, what was your reaction to the news and just generally what what are your memories of Marius Seleucus? Well, first of all, I have to say I
1: was absolutely gobsmacked. Um was fully unaware of Marius Aleucus's Illness, uh, troubles, and what have you. Um, but yeah, I mean, this is the kind of first real former Hearts player death that has really hit home for me. Mm. Um, this was this was a guy that transformed. I think most of the fan base's thoughts on him and developed into a total leader. Again, I mean, what greater honour could there have been for him? captain us in arguably the biggest win in our history. Um and like you say, I, I couldn't believe that stat about him being the foreign player with the most appearances. Just a total legend in every sense of the word and just absolutely devastated, really. It's it's funny because we we don't know footballers personally, but this still relates to myself, yourself, so many others it's such such a tragedy. Real, real shame.
0: And of course, Aaron, you had probably the most envious job of us all because whilst we could all kind of take in the news ourselves and deal with it in our own way, you, like the commentators, presenters, were presenting. You were doing a live stream. And first of all, massive, massive respect to you on the way you handled yourself, you allowed yourself that emotion that every single Hearts fan was going through, and you continued through and put on a fantastic performance in your own right in terms of performing, but again, I'll ask the same questions to you what were your thoughts originally and what is your views on Zalukis overall?
2: Well, first of all, um, as you've probably seen by my reaction at the time, I was very shocked, like, my co-host Neil said to me, oh, um, this just Justin, um, Zalukis passed away, My first, my first words were like, what? You're joking. Mm-hmm. That that can be real. You're thinking, Mario Celico is such a titan on the park, such a warrior leader. You never think well, when they're that young that he'd just be gone one minute here, next minute gone. And then um, I was still in disbelief for a good couple of minutes until the tweet came out from um, obviously the the NFA confirming his death. And then I just, it still didn't feel real up until half time because I still had a show to put on. So I started to keep talking. But mm-hmm. at half time, I kind of like, check my Twitter just to make sure that like it was a real it was real and then it happened like Zal was actually gone like I'm sitting here just now I've got a signed scarf on my wall first signature um, on the scarf is actually Zal Lucas' which I've only just noticed that now so it's just um, you're, you're reminded of the big man everywhere you look like if I look to my left I've got a photo of the 2012 team captain's armband right as I said the signed scarf it's just like you, as you said you don't really know footballers personally but when somebody that's represented your club in such a manner is, like, passed away, especially so young from such a cruel illness, it, it really takes you by surprise. And, um, it's just, I, I don't, obviously I never knew Marius personally, but when I was the mascot at Hearts, he was, the, he was the captain that I walked out with. So, like, you're looking up at him thinking, whoa, this big, absolute tanky, man really, you, you can't conceive him being, like, floored by such a cruel illness. Like, obviously the nature of the disease, like, it's just a, a cruel, horrible way to, to go. And you just can't imagine such a man like zal Lucas, like ever having to be succumbing to such an illness. But aye, it's a massive shame, and it's really rocked the fan base that the, the death of our um, our former leader, really our, our former club captain. It's just shocking.
0: Absolutely. Um, my own personal view. I met Zal a few times, uh, as you both said. We don't know him personally, but we feel like we do. It's the attachment that football players give to football clubs, and that's just generally, never mind the club captain in the biggest game, I know I'm repeating a lot of what both you guys have said, and what everybody said, but it is so true, like there is some players that just, you can't even anticipate or think of in that sense, and it is such the age that it has happened, the fact that he recently had a child with his wife of course, it is just so tragic, Um I've never reacted to a win like that before. Um, obviously, one of the biggest moments of our club's history when you think of the context of the game. And when that final whistle went, I just completely burst into tears. I'd managed to—I said this in a tweet—I'd managed to hold myself together uh, when I saw the news for the whole the second half and then all that extra time. But as soon as Boyce's penalty went in, I started thinking come on, just get it done for him. And listen, I am an atheist and the most non-spiritual person in the world, but it is you can't deny that there is almost something written there that we managed to get it done in that fixture, in that stadium where he had his best moment and our best moment collectively. So we, as a podcast, wish to extend our thoughts to the zayukis family and of course to the entirety of the hearts fan base there is currently a petition I don't know if you guys have seen it to retire the number 26 Um obviously it would mean that our current captain who played yesterday Craig Alka I know he's not actually captain but you know what I mean he played yesterday it would mean you have to get a new number at the end of next season but we'll link that petition below if you wish to sign it that's Entirely your own opinion. Um, I will also add this in here. It's been a horrible weekend for everybody in Edinburgh because it has been confirmed earlier today that Kevin Nisbet, of course, Hibs striker, sadly lost his dad to an awful disease on Wednesday. Um, We will of course get into what happened in the game later on, but much like how Hibs fans have been fantastic as overall with Zalukas and our fan base. We should be doing the same back to them and it's been very refreshing to see the amount of kind of well wishes to the Nisbet family so on behalf of the podcast again, we wish to extend our condolences there. So, without trying to make this kind of trivialise or anything like that, we do have a lot to speak about but we wanted to spend the first kind of wee while speaking about that. Your best memories of Zalukas please leave in the comments of anything that we're currently posting. Um, so yeah. Good delivery, solid header away. Moushan was up there for Sirzaliukas. It fell for Sirzaliukas,
1: and
2: he guided it into the net. Hearts of the second after fifty-four minutes. They're keeping the dream alive.
0: So, moving on, we did have one of the biggest games ever, and incredibly, we won in many ways against all odds, but before we even slightly dive in, I'll come at you first, Aaron. What are your thoughts on the fact that we're in another Scottish Cup final?
2: For a word, you love to say it.
0: Yeah.
2: It's, just, it's mental, really. Like, you're thinking, like obviously, there was a big gap between us reaching finals, obviously, that after the 5-1, it took us until last season to reach it again. And it was like London buses wait long enough for one and two come <laughs> along at once, and... Conveniently, they're both against Celtic because I a pretty big storyline, You know, revenge for the 2020 final, obviously. We want to win it in memory of Zaliukas. So there's a lot of factors this year. And I actually seen a tweet earlier. Someone said, at the risk of sounding a bit Celtic, Hearts should apply for special dispensation for every player to wear 26 in their shots for the final. Mm-hmm. And I was seeing that thinking, that's not even the worst idea, to be honest. Because if you're going to go for winning a cup in Zalioukas' name, then why not wear his number? And it'll, it'll be interesting to see if the club take up that option but um, as, you, as you were saying earlier best memories of Zaloukis he, he was just the captain just a rock at the back solid mm-hmm. hard as nails I'm repeating a lot of the same words here but he just, he's an absolute giant air man and he'll be sorely missed and I'm sure like we'd all talk about how, how sad we are feeling I can't even imagine what his young family are thinking so thoughts go out to them as well but aye we'll miss him really
0: absolutely and there is no real better way for a Hearts legend to be remembered in a derby win. Uh, Adam, I know I did actually speak to you on the night. However, what were your reactions at the final whistle of Extra Time? Just total disbelief. I mean, we
1: we spoke last pod episode and we were just so pessimistic. We, we didn't really foresee this coming. You sneaked me in that I had to make a prediction, and thankfully that's come to fruition. Um, but absolutely delighted, like like Aaron says, I mean, back to back finals. That stat was circulating. It's the first time since 1905-06 and 1906-07 that Hearts have reached back to back Scottish Cup finals, which is incredible. And I I didn't actually realise that our record against Celtic in the Scottish Cup final is played for. Won two and lost two. So fingers crossed that we can uh, pull clear once again, and that would be the ideal tribute to Marius Saliukas, most definitely.
0: Absolutely. Well, we will now dive into the game. So basically, you can only start one way. The team lineups come out. Um, I looked at the team lineups and thought kind of what I'd expected to think. Hibbs looked not much better on paper, but I thought that was Hib's strongest team possible. Aaron, were you similar, or were you thinking the teams actually looked pretty matched?
2: I thought both teams put out a pretty first choice eleven because, um, obviously, because of where I'm from, uh, quite a fair few of my pals unfortunately support the Wii team. So I was asking them before the game, um, "Is this your strongest side?" And they're saying, "Yeah, it's pretty first choice." One of them was saying though that they've not played their first choice eleven all season; they've, they've kept resting players now don't know how accurate that is, but if it's coming from a few Hibs fans, then I'll, I'll take their word for it. But mm-hmm. the two teams did seem pretty even on paper, although I did see a few nonsensical tweets, such as um, one that should be a, a crime to even think about tweeting, let alone putting it out into the internet. But they were saying that Marciano is better than Gordon. Don't make me laugh. Wait, Are they stupid? What? I genuinely seen tweets saying, off here, Marciano is better than Craig Gordon. I sadly saw a couple they of exist.
1: them as well. and I don't know why I don't know why it's even a debate because if if we're taking anything from the hundred and twenty minutes that we saw you know it's 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 night and day really
0: that's unbelievable that that would even be a discussion, as you say, even before the game like but never mind when you actually watch that hundred and twenty minutes, it's absolutely night and day. Right, like that's absolutely baffling. But Adam, what about you? Because obviously we spent most of last week picking our teams. And we both made it very clear that the kind of main area of discussion was the midfield too. What did you think when you saw we were lining up with the same partnership that played against our growth? I think it
1: was... I think it was fairly natural to assume that we, we might perhaps see a repeat performance. Um, I don't know. I, I think... I think the concern for me was, obviously, having lost Josh Janelli at broth, I didn't see Craig Whiten as being a kind of part of that trio in behind Liam Boyce. I had assumed from just seeing the names, because I hate the way that Hearts um, and most clubs kind of put them out. They seem to go with squad number. I like it when it's keeper and in positions and you can kind of tell the formation. I was under the assumption that Craig Whiteon was partnering Liam Boyce, and we spoke at length about our preference for a four-two-three-one as opposed to a four-four-two or whatever. Um, so, I, I was a little bit sceptical, particularly about the kind of quintet, if you like, in midfield. Um, but I've got to be honest here and say, upon—I mean, it's easy to say this in hindsight—but I thought that Ollie Lee, that's his best game in a heart shirt, probably. Since his last hand in appearance, actually against um, against Inverness, that might might not be his last hand. No, the last would have been Celtic, but certainly the last semi-final, because I thought he was excellent in the Inverness semi-final. But um, and yeah, I, I just just really pleased with with the midfield for the most part. Anyway, what about you?
0: Um, I I was pretty similar. I was like, oh, for fuck's sake, it's Aldi and Lee again. Uh, it's going to be really pedestrian, and I think in the first half Lee was very pedestrian. Um, we'll get into how that changed, but I do think that changed after the first half. However, we start off, and I'd say you might disagree, but for the first ten minutes, I thought we were the better team. I would go along with that.
1: To be honest, I thought I thought that. It kind of was summed up in the first half, really. It seemed as though we had more kind of half chances, and Hibs had better, more clear-cut opportunities. Um, but that's that's perhaps just personal opinion. But I uh, I mean that first half was pretty poor, in in all honesty. Um, I, th- I agree with you though. I I do think we started we started brightly, but. I mean, we obviously had to wait till the second half for it to really kind of spring into life in my opinion.
0: Yeah, definitely. Aaron, are you the same? Because obviously we had the, if I remember rightly, in the first 10 minutes, we had that chance where Walker played a shot for a quick free kick, and also Jordan Roberts had a chance where he kind of hit one from distance as well.
2: Yeah, we had a few good chances early on, I thought. As you said earlier, I thought we were the better team to begin with, but at points we did let them back into it, and I was getting a little bit worried, to be honest, but Obviously, when the, when the opening goal went in for White, and I absolutely lost it, because obviously I'd found out about Zalika's round about half time, mm-hmm. and I just honestly just couldn't get a big man off my mind, because I was obviously I actually went off there for a couple of minutes to try and yeah. regain my composure, left Neil doing all the work. Apologies for that, mate. But when I eventually got back and figured out that yes, you do have to switch a camera back on after you turn it off. <laughs> not, well, not long after that, um, the opening goal duly arrived, and I just you can't actually hear me very well because I screamed that loudly my microphone stopped recording. You can still hear Neil perfectly fine, but I'm, I'm giving it the big, yes, but it actually cuts out for a good few seconds because I'm shouting too loudly. See, even my headphones don't to shut up sometimes. But um, as you can see from um, the action on, on screen, what you can see and not hear, um, I was going absolutely of ballistic. And um, I just felt right that we take the lead in such an important game. And obviously them getting the equaliser pretty soon after, was kind of taking the wind out of your sails a little bit. But you always had a little bit of confidence that we could really go for it and get the win. However, that confidence when they got the penalty, I won't lie, hit a bit of an all-time low and then um, obviously Nisbet scalped the woodwork. So that did feel like a bit of a let-off. But I do feel we were a better team for large periods of the game.
0: Absolutely. Well, going back to the first half, the kind of big talking point from that first half is just... Actually, yeah, that's a fair point. We're speaking about Gordon versus Marciano. Well, a ball was played in from Martin Boyle, and it almost couldn't have been a better ball, and it almost couldn't have been a better header. But somehow, and I still don't understand it, and he himself has said he doesn't understand it. Craig Gordon managed to get fingertips, not a hand to it, fingertips, and push it past the post before Halkirk clears Adam can I even ask if you remember how scared you were in that second oh terrified
1: Um, I think if we'd have had any of the three keepers that appeared for us last season there's only one place that that ball ends up Um, I mean listen I don't want to have to keep repeating myself but we've spoken at length about just how reassuring it is to have a keeper of that class and like you say it's a fantastic delivery from Martin Boyle Kevin Nisbet can do no better other than score, and it's only then, because of that top save, that he doesn't score.
0: Well, because this is the thing that I want to ask, actually, Aaron. How much of Craig Gordon's time do you properly remember? Because we are young Hearts fans, all three of us, but you're a wee bit younger than us as well. So how much memory do you have of, for example, the 2006 Cup final? Absolutely nothing. I was three years old. Well, then that answers the big question because I wanted. To, it's so interesting to have the perspective of because this is kind of like your first experience of Craig yeah, Gordon in the Hearts top. Yeah, how is it? How are you enjoying it? It's absolutely fantastic.
2: Because <laughs> <I'm>, I've <laughs> only ever I've only ever seen Craig Gordon lining up against Hearts.
0: Oh, I can't and even like, imagine that. I well, can't that was, even imagine. I've, I've, that. Only ever,
2: I've only ever known him as the Celtic keeper that used to play for Hearts years ago. But I've always noticed that um, whenever it, whenever Celtic have you know like they've won that we get time castle a few times in the last few years, I've noticed Gordon just goes over, claps the fans and goes straight down the tunnel, doesn't mm-hmm. get involved in any of the whatever they do, whatever silly dance and drum beat they've got cooked up over in the Green <laughs> Brigade just now. But um, I've noticed he's been very reserved in his celebrations, even at massive triumphs in his career. You know, winning a league title or a 5 0 win on the final day, surely you're absolutely buzzing, and he just goes over claps the fans and just runs off like, and I always thought that probably speaks volumes about he wants to come back one day but when, when he signed in the summer I was obviously delighted but I still didn't quite appreciate I also said this on Twitter earlier I've only seen him line up against Hearts, so I've never appreciated how good a goalkeeper he is until now like last night was probably the first time that I've seen like a Craig Gordon Hearts performance and I'm sitting there going you're joking like you've got no right to save half of them
1: that's that is that is genuinely ridiculous. Like, we've had a couple of folk on the podcast, and I've been the youngest one. Now it's bonkers for me having firstly somebody that's younger than me, and secondly somebody that had only seen Craig Gordon as an opposition keeper. Like, that's just
2: insane. To
1: me. <laughs> <laughs> genuinely, I'm starting to feel old. This so,
2: is like...
0: what, what year did God of like first come through at Hearts? He came through in 2004. He made his debut. Uh... Before that, technically, but he kind of became a feature of the team in you 2004. Lower, like, I'm going to make you feel
2: very, very old. I was one year old. Oh, fuck off, man.
1: <laughs> that is bonkers. <laughs>
0: <laughs> There's no need for that. <sighs>
2: Sorry. My oh bad. Oh,
0: my God. Because, like, <laughs> oh, my God. Absolutely. I was nine. I was like primary two. Yeah, I was I was nine when we won the cup in two thousand and six, and to me that's like you can't have a younger moment. Like... <laughs> I, I was eight
2: at the five-one game. Oh no, my god! Eight.
0: But then again, I was eight
2: in two thousand and six, so yeah, you know, <sighs> it
1: is what it is, mate.
0: It's just but but I'm so thankful that there's so many reasons that I'm thankful Craig Gordon's Back at Hearts. One of it is because, as me and Adam have said, he is one of the original childhood heroes for us. But also it allows moments like this where the generation that just missed him, which is including my brother, because my brother was two when we won the cup in two thousand six. He's a year younger than you. So he doesn't really remember Craig Gordon so it means that this crop now gets to see it because there is moments in that game where 90% of goalkeepers would not save the amount of shots that he faced
2: It's ridiculous isn't it it's,
0: it's an absolute joke that is <laughs> how good it is
2: isn't it? it really is I mean the,
1: but then you need only look he's a record sale had, you know His praise is sung by Gianluigi Buffon. Like, there's not many... I mean, it's even bonkers just saying that, that somebody that's come through our academy has been recognised by a World Cup winner. Like, there can be no greater praise.
0: Well, that man who got praise kept us in it in the first half. Also, just before that as well, Michael Smith, the lovely, lovely, beautiful dad that he is, stuck out his book where McGuinness had a chance, and it was at this point, and kind of going into time. I was a bit like, oh, I don't, I'm delighted to get in at half time nil-nil, but I didn't really see where a goal was coming from, and I want to mention them now, because I don't want to focus on too many negatives from this game, because there's almost none, but Adam, I'll come to you first, I thought Jordan Roberts was awful. <laughs> Thank
1: God you said it because I said literally I've got a big chat with all my pals and whatever, and I'm not gonna lie. Due to my pre-match nerves, I'd kept pretty quiet in in the group chats as I tend to do, and uh, I just put at half time the worst message: Jordan Roberts has been the worst player on the park. That is all, because at this point I was thinking, I, I really was shit in my pants. I've got to be honest. Um, and I thought, yeah, just nothing seemed to to come off for him at all. And we'll obviously touch on it later on, but I feel as though the substitutions really did change the game for us mm-hmm. due, to, due to how poor, obviously, the likes of Jordan Roberts were.
0: Aaron, were you much the same? Because I feel like there was the, he was really good at winning fouls. He seemed to be getting fouled all the time in the first half. But my main, for example, before I come to you, my main criticism of of him was, he was constantly, and it was Kingsley as well to an extent, but Kingsley just was better at it. He kept standing off Boyle, and I was like, the one thing you don't do with Martin Boyle is stand off him.
2: He wasn't very effective, was he? Like, when Robert signed, I was looking at the video, like, for example, that goal that he scored against Motherwell, at yeah. was because you're thinking, I want a bit of that, and he's really not shown a bit of that so far. Like, obviously he obviously had those like, two long-distance shots in the first half that kind of trickled into Marciano's gloves, but apart from those snapshots, I can't actually recall him doing anything. Mm-hmm. Like, I know it sounds really harsh towards him because I'm sure like he's still trying his best, but what did Jordan Roberts actually do? You're like, what, right. what did he do? Right.
0: I fully agree. That was that was very much what I was screaming at the screen about. Like, what are you doing? Um, but then, we get into the second half, and as we'll just kind of jump into it, because not much happened in between. The subs were made, and Hibs were kind of getting on the front foot again. They had a couple of chances, one of which Jordan Roberts was massively at fault at, where he just didn't track a run, where I think it was Nisbet headed close at the front post, Boyle cleared, and then you think, oh, God, this could get bad. And then two subs were made. Jamie Walker, who I actually also think, I don't think he had a bad game, he just didn't really get to do much. And John Roberts went off. And Peter Herring and Stephen Naismith came on. And listen, Adam, you and me have said it for the past few weeks. We don't see how Stephen Naismith gets into his team. He changed the game when, we came on, when he came on.
1: Totally agree, mate. I, I, I literally thought exactly the same thing. I thought, I don't know I don't know whether it's because we've perhaps got better or perceived better players in the positions that he'd be looking to play but just that introduction it just felt as though it gave us a new lease of life and it's as though the experience that he's accumulated over the course of his career that was just massive for us and you're right it, it seemed as though he he knew what to do in order for us to Try and gain a foothold again in the game. So his introduction was massive, as was obviously Peter Haring's. And to have the pair of them come on, you know, it, it really is—it's two. They're two fantastic weapons in our arsenal, really.
0: Absolutely, and well, those two subs, in my opinion, directly led to the first goal, where Ollie Lee got pushed out wide as we switched to a four-four-two, which unbelievably I thought he was fantastic in that kind of. They got brought on in like roughly. The 55th minute, and from then until the 120th, I thought Ollie Lee was really useful on the right hand side. It's unbelievable what Peter Herring does for Ollie Lee. Peter Herring comes in the park, and Ollie Lee just becomes a different human being because he picks the ball up, swings a perfect ball in, and Aaron, I've been on the Craig and fan bus since the start, since before the start of the season, since the start of pre season. How have you interpreted his? Just he's become our Christendom, Cristiano Wainaldo on this podcast. Wow. Yeah, exactly. And wow. can you can you disagree? Can you disagree? I'm not
2: sure whether that phrase is awful or absolute genius. I like, I'm genius. really sitting here contemplating that. It's, it's...
1: awful, mate. It's awful. Hey.
2: It's not... maybe, maybe, maybe it's awful genius. I'll it's it's not a thought of Pirlo, is it? Right. It's not quite the photo of Pirlo. Right. That that is that is the red for this podcast.
0: Listen, listen Eden, the This is the man. Set. This is the man who thought Aaron Hickey played less than five <laughs> games for us.
1: Can I just say, I was still steaming recorded this podcast. That's how, but, what he says. But um, I, I agree with you, Ari e. Ollie Lee. I actually thought he was much better on the right than he was in the centre, bizarrely. So, yeah, might, so that, might that be a mm-hmm. potential? I don't want to say a position change, but it's certainly another option for us.
0: Definitely, but yeah, Aaron, you've said your reaction to the goal. Did you expect it to come through Whiting? Because I did. Because that is, by the way, listeners, my third bet in a row that has oh. come in. Craig Whiting, first goal scorer, we fifty pounds. That is me won two hundred and fifty pounds off hearts this mu- this month basically because we won't be playing them on. What did, what did you get? Nine to one. Yeah. That's outrageous.
1: Thanks for sharing the tip, mate mate
0: i've been doing it every
1: week <laughs> no i've heard of michael smith every week it's Never been did michael I
0: smith
1: he, i i saw somebody say what was what was
0: the other one that i saw in the nickname oh the Tayside torres right we're getting ridiculous now aaron what do you think of whiting so far <laughs>
2: he's really turned it around like obviously the player that came in when he was at the start to be fair you can give him a bit of slack because he was actually coming back from an ACL injury when he signed for Hearts, and I've I've read this for Nielsen a few times. He said it takes you about round about 12 to 18 months to even when you recovered from said injury, to really hit your best and really hit form. And if you look at the time, it's round about or not too much over the 12 to 18 month period mm-hmm. for him to come back. I think it's no coincidence that now that his knees are much better, Nick, he's got himself in better shape, got his head down, shaved it as well, and really um, worked hard and. Now he's like he's a different player. Like you you're like you're not going to line up you're going, Oh no white and you're going, Yes, Whiting, it's a good thing. Like I never would have pictured it when he got bombed out on loan to our brook, that he'd be the man to score an absolutely stunning header at Hamden against Hibs to get us well on the way to a second Scottish Cup final in a row. Like twenty twenty has been a very strange year by all accounts. I can understand that. But you're still not thinking and like if everything that's went on that you're going to be backing Craig Whiten to score a first at and against Hibbs, and for people to not all be in complete shock at it. Because see, when the ball comes to Whiten, you're not thinking, oh, it's over the ball. You're thinking, go And he's turned it around so rapidly and I'm buzzing for him. He's in the final 12 months of his contract and he's really approved his point so far. I hope he keeps banging them in and whole hope we sign him up for next season because we don't want to lose him in this form. Not at all. He's been... He's- Brilliant. He seems to be taking that
1: Marius Saliuca's route, doesn't he? Because I've seen various comparisons by people where initially Zal was a bomb scare in the same way that Whiten you couldn't you couldn't really see what he contributed at all. It was just unfair. And, and like Aaron, say, Aaron says, it's you know that pre-season ultimately, or the or COVID even COVID's hitting seems to have been the best thing for Craig Whiten. So. Long may it continue, I, I, I too am absolutely delighted that he's proving me wrong and long may it continue, well done
0: Absolutely, so we go 1-0 up loving it, I don't know what Hibbs' defence is doing there, I don't know where Paul Hanlon is, for example the man who we were told would absolutely boss this However, McKinnon <laughs> Actually, now we can speak about him. How shit is Ryan Porteous? Because I have heard that he is going to be the future of the Scotland backline. He's going to be going for a multi-million pound move down south. I've, every single game I've seen him play, and it's not just once or twice. I've seen him about 10 or 11 times. I've never seen him play well. Adam, have you? Um, I,
1: I don't I don't want to sound a bit controversial here but I feel as though his kind of desire to get carded is ultimately what's holding him back. I think he just needs to focus more on his game and you know, the the stuff when they held Rangers to a draw at Easter Road I mean he, he grabbed the headlines for his antics after and he's just he's just proven a wee bit of a ned, isn't he? Like Yeah I don't I don't think he's I don't think he's that bad as, as people make out. But just, I mean, just focus, focus on being a genuine, decent team player, and stop putting Hibs in the mud with needless bookings, stupid fouls,
0: and just all round stupidity. For me, I just don't, I just, I just don't see where the like affection comes from with Hibs fans. Like, I get it. To me, he's very much in the Gary O'Connor, Derek Riordan, Ian Murray, yeah. Ivan that... Sproul, Mould. Like, yeah, 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 is that is that kind of Hibs player. Um But out with it, the amount of fans who are not Hibs fans who are like is absolutely class. He's going to be incredible. It's like I just I think he's fine. Like you're so right with what you say. He's so like, oh, I need to I need to act up to live up to this image. It's like, see, if he just focused on being a better defender, we probably wouldn't have won yesterday, uh, on Saturday. Like, if you'd just been like, I'm just going to get my head down and focus and properly, actually care about this game, he probably defends that white and go. Like, it's just, it, I just don't get it. It must be infuriating as a fan
1: because, let's be frank, Hibs have... Produced some decent talent through the years, and if they regard him as highly as they do, they must just be hoping that he screws them up, gets his head down, and performs to how they believe that he can perform. Um, but I, I mean, I, I see folks saying, or rather, I, I mean, we're going to talk about it later on. net was some laugh.
2: What a sight.
1: And, and I did see some people say that he had a good
0: game, and I'm thinking. Somebody said he was man in the match. Are they on crack? Yes, oh, that's a separate point. <laughs>
1: it's just, uh, it, honestly, he would wind me up. If if I was a hip-season tickler. he would frustrate the living daylight out of me, going to pay w- and watch him essentially screw up for them as often as he does.
0: Absolutely. Well, something that frustrated the daylights out of me was Hart and Lothian conceding what was apparently an offside goal, I will be honest, I've not seen a replay, I never for a second thought it was offside, but apparently it was, Aaron, what was your kind of view of it, do you think, well first of all, do you think it was offside, but secondly, do you think, we should have, held on for a wee bit longer, before conceding?
2: You well, know, firstly, at a time, I'm, I'm saying, that's, that has to be offside, surely, because, in true Derby spirit, you, you call for any decision <laughs> against you, like, if, if it's a goal kick, you will argue. That's a corner, that's a throw, in whatever you want to say. But um, initially, I'm like, oh, that can't be offside, surely not. But looking back on it... No, sorry, even. When it went in, I'm like, oh, that must be offside, surely. But looking back on it, I, I don't think it was off. I don't think it was offside. The only player that I thought was offside was Nisbet, but mm-hmm. he never interfered with the play. He just kind of like, the ball went past him, and so did all the play. So I don't think that it was um, offside. It was a correct decision to give the goal. But the thing that stood out for me most about the goal is my shock at seeing Craig Gordon conceding a goal. (laughs) It's like, my my dad explained to me, like, perfectly. I I don't have the words for it at the time. But because he is so good, like, obviously, you know, like, your team's going to concede goals. But when you've got a goalkeeper like Gordon you're still bamboozers that how someone can get the ball past them and often it's only a a margin of fingertips but you're thinking they've actually got the ball past craig gordon like how does a human being do that
0: it's a very very good question Uh, adam i have seen some stills of it and it seems to be one of those var offsides where if we had vr which of course we had goal in technology in place for this game, which never fucking mattered at all. But if we had VAR, that would have been given offside. What was your interpretation of it, though, at the goal? Because mainly because I've seen a lot of people say Papescu and Halkett should do better. But my argument is, if the goal's offside, they've done their job well.
1: Yeah, I'd go along with that, to be honest. I mean, I think you need only look down south at the, the calamity that VAR is proving to be, really. I, I mean, I don't trust Scottish officials at the best of times, but them having a potential second glance—I mean, it, it might it might better the decision, but chances are it probably wouldn't. Um, as for Halk and Popescu, I, I agree with you in that if it if it is offside, which I'm I'm not sure, I'm really not sure, I, potentially, but they they have done their job, and to be fair. It is it is a fantastic header from Christian Deutsch. As Aaron says, it is a shock that Craig Gordon's conceded, but for them to be knocking on the door, eventually they would be let in, and it was a, it was a decent effort.
0: Absolutely. Well, then we kind of got to the stage of play where it was a bit tetchy. There was moments that could have gone either way, but there was one moment that I feel that really should be spoken about from both a defensive and attacking point of view from us, in both a positive and a negative. Hibs broke and it seemed to be a complete 3 on 2 and I was convinced they were going to score and then just unbelievably Stephen Kingsley manages to just kind of slice his legs together, block off the attempted pass and then we break and Liam Boyce misses a chance that you expect Liam Boyce, never mind 9 times out of 10 to score 10 times out of 10 you think Liam Boyce is scoring this i first coming to you, Adam, from the defensive point of view. How did you think, including that block in general, but his overall performance, how do you think Stephen Kingsley played? Because this was his first real test. Yes, he played against Dundee and was man of the match and was incredible getting those two goals. He didn't really do much against our Abroath, purely because he didn't have much to do. This was his first real test. How do you think he did? Well, we mentioned that on the pod, didn't we? I, I thought, for that block...
1: I was in the same camp as you. I I do not know how they don't score. Or rather, I don't know... Yeah, I don't know how they don't score. It's just... It seemed such a foregone conclusion. And I'm going to come out and say it primarily because I see some of the bigger teams playing a, a three at the back. But Michael Smith and Stephen Kingsley are the best full-backs outside the old firm. I, I don't care what anybody says. Um, and I think... Martin Boyle was obviously a a real concern of mine and other than a couple deliveries didn't really threaten as much as he probably should have so I think that's testament to, to Stephen Kingsley first of all.
0: Absolutely and then Aaron on the flip side how did you feel about Liam Boyce's performance overall when you take into account the miss there but then also the penalty? I mean,
2: he redeemed himself for the penalty, to be honest. like I was convinced that the one that he missed, he was going to score. So, like, it it just seemed to roll and roll forever until it just goes past the post. And you're thinking, you're joking. Like You're Liam Boyce. You're a Northern Ireland international. You've banged in harder chances than that. And you're just sitting there bemused as to how he could have possibly put it wide from there. But to be honest, the second you get the penalty, you're thinking... He scored this, like he scored it before he's kicked the ball. He actually said in his um, after game interview that he's taken of his last five penalties, he scored his last two. But before that he missed like three on the bounce. Mm -hmm. So he's thankfully got his penalty taken Mojo back when it mattered and to be honest, even though Marciano goes the right way, I'm thinking he's nailed this. He's absolutely nailed this and he obviously done just that and there was just a really emphatic penalty. Like I feel like some players, like obviously Sean Claire style are taking them was more about placement, I felt, than power. But my boy should have been thinking, just smash it. And he's duly obliged and sent us to another final. So, his performance, had he maybe not had the chance to score from the penalty spot, you're thinking, mm, maybe not the best performance, but he's bagged the winner. So, we can't really complain about that, can we?
1: Well, that's what. Uh, uh, the only complaint was his sitter in normal time. Sorry, mate, to cut you off, but it really was. It, it seemed the perfect chance. Particular, and it seemed as though we were going to punish them for not capitalizing on their opportunities to then re- spurn a chance of that caliber was just devastating and it's at that point where you start to wonder is it actually going to be our day or not at least that was my personal perspective
0: well that's that's the most interesting thing because i think voice was class <laughs> and it's kind of on the debate that Adam you and me had last week where we were deciding who should play Boyce or Whiten and in many ways that game proved that we were both right you were right from the perspective of Whiten just got a chance and scored it yes he missed another chance that was arguably easier to score but he just got the ball, did what a striker should do, whereas I was right from the perspective of Boyce's overall play was like one of the best in the park in terms of his link-up play, he was holding the ball up really well, he was making nice wee runs that dragged players away and when they both moved into that front-facing two, I think that system could work really well So
1: did I and
0: I, I think Saturday's probably the
1: perfect opportunity to actually you know, trial it Um I mean, Liam Boyce is infuriating me and simultaneously just really pleasing me because obviously he does tuck that penalty away. But by the same score, I i mean, I don't think it is just me, but I am expecting a little bit more in terms of goals. But as Aaron says, he's bagged the winner. So what what can
0: I really say? Absolutely. Well, we then move on to the very end of the game, which is the first of three penalty decisions that Willie Collum makes. Basically, we're right at the very end of the game. Craig Halkett, it appears, to pull down... I can't even remember who it is, it might be dodge Pull down him, get up, then something happens with Martin Boyle... And then the whistle goes, and for half a second my heart dropped, thinking that he's given a pen. And then he gives us a free kick. Aaron, I'll come to you first. Do you think Hibbs deserved a penalty there for either of the altercations?
2: If they were going to give one, I was going to be convinced that they would have gave the one at the end where Boyle hit the deck soon after the first foul. Because you know it's like the it's that point in the game you're thinking, surely it's Willie him, He'd love to give a penalty for the drama. But um, I think the placement of the fourth official has really impacted that one, because see if the, because the fourth official, eh, sorry, can't speak. The fourth official was right in front of him and he could see everything going on. See if he hadn't been there, I reckon Colin would have just blown for a penalty because it would appear a lot of the time if referees don't know what's going on, they'll just give it for they'll give them the the attackers the, the benefit of the doubt. But obviously I I'm, I was very surprised that one never got given. But with Nisbet's, I was just thinking, game over. I was just thinking, it's going to be... It'll be the most hardest thing to do, like just to throw it away just like that. But thankfully, um, Kevin Ibsed it.
0: Well, Adam, what do you think? Because personally, I think the first one on Hal- with Halkett and whoever it is, I think that's a penalty. And then I think the second one where immediately... Boyle just gets up and then seems to kind of dive. I think that to dive, but the one just before it, I think it is a penalty. It's more of a
1: penalty than the two that he gives in extra time. Yeah, and I think, I think in extra time he gives Hibbs the penalty because he should have in normal time, mm. and then subsequently gives us a penalty because he's given Hibbs a penalty in extra time. So it's just. It's the standard of refereeing in this country, isn't it? It's, it probably is, to be honest. I, I I think we have got away with one there. As we kind of did throughout the entire match, but of course, that just makes it all the more sweeter.
0: Absolutely. Well, the first period of the extra time kind of fuck-all happened. However, yes, immediately at the start of the second half, Pepescu kind of dithers a wee bit on the ball but the ball is really slippy and you can physically see he's trying to get it out of his feet and he goes to put a foot forward and fantastically pulls out of it and then Newell just dives completely and gives really calm a decision to make basically as you would want from your player and he gives, the he makes the wrong decision but gives a penalty We've just heard from Aaron how he thought it was going to go. Adam, was that it for you? Did you think this is it? We'll get, we've lost. I thought that one of the
1: arguably best strikers in the country, I think one of the top scorers in obviously the Premiership so far, there's only one place I thought it would nestle it would and mm. that was obviously the back of the net. Never been so delighted to be proven wrong in my life. Um, just Obviously, Craig Gordon dives the right way. But to see that crashing off the bar, it was just so, so relieving more than anything, I think. Because, like you say, I mean, I I was a nervous wreck throughout the entire game. But as soon as he gave that pen, I was just thinking, this is it, it's curtains. And the fact that he obviously scalped it off the woodwork was uh, very pleasing.
0: I would just like to say, um, we speak about earlier that... uh... Adam did very well predicting the score, I actually went one better and three episodes ago said that Kevin Nisbet would miss a penalty against Craig Gordon in this game. Ooh.
1: How on earth you can predict that? I have no idea. And even then, my prediction was you forcing it out of me to be optimistic.
0: How <laughs> <laughs> good that, though? I should have put money on that.
1: I think you should have got he keys to every bookie inside edinburgh for that
0: (laughs) but yes i was very excited that that happened um of course as we alluded to at the start of the show we don't know if the personal moments in his life were impacting it Uh, he himself has actually said today that he doesn't view it as an excuse it didn't play a part at all but No one can actually know if it did or did not. But from purely a selfish football fan, I am of course delighted he missed. We then go up the other end and, Aaron, what was your view on the penalty decision? Do you think it was really soft? Do you think it was a penalty at all? Or were you just delighted that Eddie White fell down?
2: Oh, I've never been so delighted to see a balding man throw himself to the floor. (laughs) Like, what's that Robert Balfour calls him? A wet pigeon? Is, yes. it, is there something along those lines? Yep. I've n- I've never been so happy to see a pigeon lose their wings. Like, oh, he had, he now, had he's an absolute sack of spuds. I'm thinking, you've died, haven't you? Oh, oh it's a penalty. Oh, th- thank you, Mr. Collum. <laughs> I, I never, ever thought I'd be singing the praises of Willie Colum. No, nevertheless, the, p- the praises of Willie Collum in an Edinburgh Derby semi-final forgiving hearts a crucial penalty. I'm thinking, what what have you been smoking? But um, the stars aligned and he pointed to the spot and um Boyce just went, "Thank you very much." But I think with the speed he's going at, like if you feel contact, you're going to go down. Mm-hmm. Penalty for me.
0: I'm I'm pretty much the same. And Adam, I just want to say we've said this last week as well. This is now two weeks in a row where AD White's come on. And done really well. Like my da- I spoke to my dad obviously after it, and he said Eddie White is like a fan has won a competition to get into the team, and you don't know what fan it's going to be each week. It might be a fan who's actually quite good, or it might be a fan that is eighteen stone and doesn't care how to kick a ball. But in the last few weeks, he th- he doesn't do much with the ball, right? But he just runs about a lot. I appreciate that. He certainly
1: causes havoc with his, his fresh legs. It is now two weeks in the spin where his introduction has obviously proved of real benefit to us. Um, and yeah, I mean, we talked even when Ben Garuccio left to kind of say that perhaps it should have been Garuccio that was kept on instead of white. So that just proves that we know absolutely nothing. Mm-hmm. Um, but I did speak about his kind of versatility of perhaps being kind of a left wing back or kind of a left midfielder when we're playing a back three or what have you, but seems to be, he's another that just seems to be proving everybody wrong week by week. So fair play and and long may it continue. I'm delighted that he's been able to have an impact on two decent wins for us now back to back. So it's, it's good to see.
0: Absolutely. And then we, of course, as Aaron has so eloquently put it, Liam Boyce puts us two on ahead, and then every single Hearts fan just goes, right, we've got ten minutes. Just don't be fucking Hearts. Just be intelligent. Come on. Like, keep the heat. Don't do anything stupid. And then, in what is one of those moments that is defining of a derby, anytime, never mind in a semi-final, the ball gets played into the hearts box, and Christian Doidge rises much like Martin Boyle's cross to Kevin Isbitt's header. Couldn't rise any better. Couldn't hit the ball any cleaner. But to be honest, Aaron, this is what we expect from Craig Gordon, kinda. But even those kind of saves, <laughs> you have to appreciate. What was it? Like, what were you like in that moment? Goal. Did you think it was in?
2: I did not think it was in because bear in mind, I, I'm not gonna. Lie. I've seen some decent keepers like for the age in which I've grown up. I've still seen, I've seen Neil Alexander, I've seen John McLaughlin, I've now seen Craig Gordon. But that's it. All Jamie, you've
0: Jamie, seen, all you've seen, is Jamie McDonald, Neil Alexander, and John McLaughlin. That's all you have. You've seen fucking Joe Pereira for a I season. I was
2: like Jack see him when the ball is loose Jack and it Hamm- rolls back to a goalkeeper, right? and they kick it first time, Jack Flap Hamilton, Flap Jack Hamilton has honestly traumatised me, like, <laughs> you, you, can, you can ask an old man, right, every time the ball rolls back, to, so like I keep it, kick it, off the ground, but it's just rolling back, I always shut my eyes and look away and cringe, and he's going, what are you doing, what, I'm like, I, I, I'm sorry, it's just my Jack Hamilton syndrome kicking him, <laughs> It's understandable. Like, like, honestly, that man has shaken me to my core. Like Jack I'm Hamilton's not... giving you PTSD.
1: <laughs> Can I just say, Jack Hamilton syndrome would be a fantastic title.
0: Why <laughs> <laughs> is he exactly what the title's going to be? <laughs> oh, that's,
2: that's my Jack Hamilton syndrome. GHS, it's so common side effects are despising goalkeepers and... <laughs> Wanting to um, shout at anybody with curly hair within fifty metres of you, popping your pants
1: at any defensive frailty. Yeah, no, it's listen, it's understandable. I mean, that's yeah, that's that that, that just shows how lucky we were, Daniel. Yeah.
2: Honestly, like, see the 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 effects, the positive effects on my mental stability having a goalkeeper for hearts that can catch a ball, unlike Mister Pereira, make saves like most of the jobs that I've seen, oh, you wake up smiling every morning. It's like, what I feeling this is? I'm not used to it.
0: <laughs> I mean, this is the thing, right? The game has changed. The game's evolved. Many times you need a goalkeeper to be able to play with his feet. That's why Craig Gordon wasn't featuring for Celtic, especially towards the end of that Brendan Rodgers time and into the beginning of Neil Lennon's time, because he couldn't play out from the back. And the one one upside of Joe Pereira was that he was basically a centre-mid. He was so confident with his feet. But to be honest, especially in the Scottish game, I couldn't give a shit about goalkeepers' distribution if they're making saves.
1: I was literally just about to say the exact same. Give me a goalkeeper over this supposed sweeper-keeper any day of the week. That's all right for Pep Guardiola with these multi-millions coming from, you know the Arabs that own Man City and what have you. But for us, it's of absolutely no relevance because we're hardly Barcelona, are we?
0: Absolutely. And Craig Gordon has just brought that stability to him. It's like you see Halkett midweek just before the game speaking about it and he's visibly excited whenever somebody mentions Craig Gordon. And he said himself, he's like, it just adds so much confidence to you because the famous example of Craig Halkett's relationship with Joe Perea was the Kalman game at home. Oh my,
2: oh, I remember this. Yeah. I think I I know what you're on about.
0: Where Chris Burke has the ball, and it's a fine through ball over the top, but you think, well, Halkett's a wee bit far away for it, but he's probably going to catch Chris Burke. And Joel's no that thick to just go, I'm going to get this ball, but he just for some reason runs out And Chris Burton just kind of sees this golden opportunity and chips him. And I know in this no-fans era of COVID that we've been able to hear a lot more of what players are saying. However, despite there being 20,000 fans in attendance, you could very clearly hear Craig Halkett shout, stay in your goal, stay in your fucking goal. And he just never listened to him, ever. And Craig Gordon provides that just calmness of... If a defender makes a mistake, they go. It doesn't just mean that we've now automatically conceded.
1: It's a top save as well. I mean, the the effort from Deutsch is, you know, ridiculous, but the save definitely matches it without a shadow of a doubt. He's he is the best keeper I've seen today, and even for Aaron having had the dross, as he put it, that he's seen. I mean there's no comparison deserving man of the match performance for me
0: absolutely and then the final whistle goes up against the odds for the first time in our lives we were the underdogs going into a derby properly a division below they'd been playing since August we've played two league games we were missing our most informed player and one of our most influential players from the start when it comes down to it, when the actual games matter, not just a random fucking derby in November that does fuck all for the week, when the games actually matter, Hibernian Football Club cannot beat Heart of Midlothian. And What's the
2: London ha- show? 11-2 in aggregate?
0: 11-2 in aggregate. Sure 3 3-0 in terms of games played. And as Adam said earlier, one of the great things about the social media age we're now in and the internet age is that we can go, we've just won again. We're delighted again. Let's go on ehibs.net. And Adam, (sighs) you sent me a message with a screenshot that has went everywhere on Hart's Twitter, but what, what was your experience of the Green and White Forum?
1: Can I just say, I didn't even have to leap on. I was sent screenshots that just... Oh. This, this is a, a lesson to any young football fan. Please, unless you have absolute 100% adamant faith that your team will get a result, do not post a single thing, firstly, before a big game, or secondly, during a big game, when Hearts play, it doesn't matter who who we're playing. My phone will be off. I don't even. I, I might tweet out from the Perth Paisley account at half time. That's as far as it goes. I don't. I don't usually like chatting with my pals during the game or whatever. I'm one of the silent types that just watches it in sheer awe. But when when Hibs have had the track record that they've had, surely the last thing that their fans would do is get themselves all excited be confident and then when you just see it all unravel after the the final whistle it's just hilarious like some of the, some of the messages that i was sent oh i was just
0: absolutely powerless at some of them it's also the as you see, the confidence they had before the game is baffling, which I know from a neutral perspective that might seem weird, because it's like, well of course they should be confident, they're a higher division, they've been playing longer, their starting 11 is arguably better than yours, why wouldn't they be confident? It's like, yeah, but it's hips hearts, so therefore, okay. they should never be confident, and this has proven it again. Aaron, you and your life have had countless, countless Derby wins, but... Now that you're older, and especially, I will say this: fucking fair play to you because we could have, on another day, been battered in that game. Fair play to you for kind of putting yourself on the line and being like, "I'm going to live stream this."
2: <laughs> yeah, that was ballsy, very ballsy, young man. Uh, I just thought I knew it would go down well because um, the streams that I've done so far have been pretty successful, but um, not not to like, try and blow more and jump. I don't want to sound elegant like that, but they, they've done quite well. And I want to keep that going for the Derby. And obviously, like, there's a lot of factors in play. The fact that it's a Derby, the fact that it's my live reaction. It's not like a video where I can I can edit out certain reactions or whatever. Like, it's all there for everybody to see, completely unedited and unfiltered. So it, it can be daunting. Like, always at the last few seconds before you go live, you're thinking, what am I doing here? It's like it's like a roller coaster, and you're just about to go on a death job, and you're like, why am I doing this to myself? But... Um, once like once the wee timer starts going, it's just you take it from there. But um, yeah, a, a lot of diff, a lot of um, interesting factors going into the fact that it's like the, it actually the first derby that I've not been to in person since New Year's Day 2011. Like I've wow. not missed it since my first one, so it was a a surreal feeling for me watching a derby on TV as live because I can never remember doing that. Wow. But. Um, yeah, it's a sort of a strange one, but obviously you're thinking when the goal goes on, you forget your life. live when you forget, you're in front of an orange, you just lose it. And then looking back on the reactions, it's it's it pretty hilarious seeing how mad p- people go. But what can you say? It's football. Eh? It it does that to you. But it's just it's just a strange one. Like, imagine how good would Hamden have been if that was filled with the brim with hearts and Habs fans. Like, it would have been rocking, wouldn't it?
0: Absolutely and it is, listen, it is a shame that we couldn't be there and it does bring me on to my final point about this before we move on to the Inverness game I'll come to you first Adam even though I think I know your answer but a lot of fans kind of viewed this as the pinnacle of the season which to some people that might be ridiculous because we're literally two games into our domestic season but this was the game that Hearts fans cared about we've now done it which has set up a december twentieth Scottish Cup final against Celtic. I know this sounds ridiculous because it is a Scottish Cup final, but is there a way of thinking of this as a free hit? Well,
1: we discussed that really. The the Derby was of importance to us, even though like I touched on, I'm trying to or I was trying to kind of play down the importance of it. But now, having obviously got the result, you're able to look back on it with joy, as opposed to, oh, I don't even, I don't even want to imagine what it would have been like had we lost. But it it does seem as though we we have nothing to lose, just as we did in that semi final, because, like you say, we're perceived underdogs. So, listen, it would be nice, but the old man's also said to me, well with COVID nobody's going to be there to see it but I I don't give a toss I mean why, why would we literally I have been craving since 2012 for us to get back to challenging for honours properly mm-hmm. or major honours why why would you not be excited for a second final in as well I say in as many seasons but you know what I mean it's a technicality but I, I, it is a free hit but let's just give it all that we've got and if we win it great if we don't we can just chuck out the fact that it would have been a rubbish year to win it anyway so yeah it's the the big one was the semi-final and because it was against them
0: and we obviously
1: discussed that it's now a free hit but let's let's give
0: it our best that is literally my thoughts on it if if we win it'll be incredible i am of your opinion it's like i don't give a shit if fans are there or not like I won't remember that aspect. I'll just get to say I've seen Hearts win four Scottish Cups in my lifetime. I wasn't at the ninety-eight one, like, but that doesn't matter. I've still, I can still say I've seen Hearts win four Scottish Cups. Like, the Scottish Cup trophy is what matters. Like, to say that we've won it. But on the flip side, it's like, but if we do get beat, even if we get barred, it's like, we'll won it Celtic. Even at our full strength, we're going to be underdogs. Now we're a division below. It's a Fuck it, it's in December. Like, ah well, but Aaron, are you different? Are you like, no, this is absolutely massive, we need to be putting everything in here and if we lose it's a nightmare.
2: The Scottish Cup final against Celtic. It doesn't get much bigger than that, does it? It's
0: true. It's very
2: true. I know I know I I seen some people on Twitter proclaiming I don't care about this derby. It's last season's cup. No fans are there. It's irrelevant. Shut your mouth, honestly. Like, see if you can't get up, regardless of his last season's cup, regardless of the fact that it is only getting played to keep Celtic happy. I don't care about any of that. It's a Scottish Cup semi-final against Hibs. That's like saying for like the 06 game, oh, but the final's only against Gretna. Yeah, yeah. Who cares if it's Gretna. It's a Scottish Cup final. It's against Hibs. Smash them. <laughs> like I really don't see... How people can, yes, I know, the politics sound the situation, okay, cool, I respect it, but come on, eh? Like, mm-hmm. If you can't get up for that, then give your head a wobble, right? Frankly, give your head a wobble. But as for the, the upcoming final against Celtic, I think it's a chance to write a few dongs. I reckon nobody expected us to do anything against them last time, and we took the lead through Ryan Edwards. Like, we could have actually won that game. when team until team.
0: Peter Heron came off.
2: Exactly, and this time around, I reckon if you put the current Hearts team into that game, they could have won it. They really could have. Mm-hmm. And I reckon this time around is a chance for some salvation. Do it for Zaliukas. Put put right. Almost said put. see eh? And um, put right um, the wrongs of the previous final. And just I reckon having no fans there will be to our advantage because as much as I don't like to admit it, see when Celtic fans get up for it. Like, they carry that team forward a lot. And I reckon being an empty hand, yeah, they're still the same players. They're still capable of the same football ability. But I think having no fans there will be, will be a bit more of a shock to them. Like, they won't have that constant, like, racket behind them to keep them going when things are maybe going not so well. And like, there's no denying their fans give them a lift in such big games. Like, all those European nights they bang on about. The fans play a massive part by getting getting their team up for it, so I reckon having no fans there could be up for our advantage and maybe, for example, with Whiting, he's done a lot well since there has been moaning at him, but um, mm-hmm. I reckon empty stands play into our hands and give them more of a disadvantage.
1: There certainly uh, is some romanticism as well, because Aaron touched on Zaliukas there as well, I just think my old man will have seen a final victory over Rangers and a final victory over Hibs, Celtic's the one we need to tick off and to have won the Scottish Cup by beating those three in finals, you can't get any better than that for us, really.
0: Absolutely. And I do actually... Aaron makes a really good point. Like, the lack of fans, I agree, I think will help us. But, listen, we're a month, just under two months away from it, technically. Anything could happen for them. They could... Because, listen, they're not playing well just now. I know they saw off Aberdeen pretty comfortably, but that second half, they were a bit touchy, and they're not playing fantastically, but that could all change. But we will see, as I say, a very emotional day for a multitude of reasons. But we did it. We beat them. They are eternally in our shadow. And it was just an absolutely fantastic day. But we are, however, that's not it. season's not done. The season's only just started. And this upcoming Saturday... We play Inverness at Tynecastle. Adam, what do you think it's going to happen?
1: I fully expect us to keep our our, our winning streak going. Personally, um, I think I would understand folks' scepticisms with obviously we've touched on it numerous times now. That Inverness would be a perceived promotion rival, but even when we weren't at our sharpest, we managed to scrape past them in the Betfred Cup. So. I think now I think the Hibs win is just absolutely massive for us, not only in the next few fixtures, but probably the cup competitions from season twenty, twenty to twenty one. Because it's proved that we can compete with I mean the, the supposed premiership elite. So I'm I'm expecting this to be fairly routine on Saturday, I've got to be honest, mate, particularly given Obviously, as I say, the last Inverness fixture, we weren't quite up to full speed and we're off this massive high against one of the supposed best teams in the country.
0: Well, of course, Inverness have had a very average start, you'd say. They've played 3-1-1, lost one drew one drew 1? One? That's not a fucking word. Drawn 1, Jesus. Um, and we've played 2-1-2. Yes, we scraped a win against our both, but we still won and we dominated Dundee. Aaron, do you think there's going to be any big changes to the team? Do you want to see any big changes to the lineup? What do you think?
2: If it not broken, don't fix it. I think. Mm-hmm. I mean, obviously, with it's still a while towards the final, so we can't exactly be saying, "Oh, there's, there's, a, there's a big cup final coming up, so we should rest the players." We need to get tanking this league. I, like, mm-hmm. I know, like we're the overwhelming favourites, but it's a championship. Nothing's ever taken for granted. Keep playing the strongest team, and. Um, the championship season last time I enjoyed it because um, obviously like I was I was growing up throughout some um, not so good years for the club aside from obviously, well, we all know how downhill it went after 2012 but I was sitting there like thinking, when are we going to win a game score a goal in the championship season we were absolutely pumping teams and I loved that, like winning games 5-1 as standard every week 10-0 at one point, it was ridiculous but that's what being in the championship does, like, you're expected to smash teams. Like, you feel like a Celtic fan, don't you? Like, you're, you're rocking up thinking, I want to see five goals today. You can almost, like, try and predict the first three or four goal scorers because you're thinking that's so how many goals are going to be going every single game. So, I reckon we need to be down here, smashing these teams while we're here and show that we are clearly, and, like, there's no doubt about it anyway, but we clearly don't belong at this level of football. We have to show that by playing our strongest team.
0: I I would fully agree. Um, I think it's interesting when Venice because obviously, as Adam said, we did kind of scrape past them, but we were solid at the same time. It was weird, like we just had a lot of the ball. Robbo's the manager. I absolutely adore John Robertson, but he's tactically he's quite simple. He's very much just get out and play, lads. You'll be fine. <laughs> and when you come up against Robbie Nielsen, who is a tactician and has a plan and shapes and stuff like that. You expect us to win. Of course, Inverness's back line has done very well. They've not conceded too many goals from the start of the Betfred Cup, but you you have to think we should have this totally in the bag. I think, for me, the bigger game this month is the Dunfermline game, because Adam, so far, they're the only team not to drop points apart from ourselves.
1: They are, and obviously... My college pal Cammie is a big Dunfermline fan and he's just loving life. I think um, the Pars have basically bettered their best ever start to a season. I think six straight wins. Mm -hmm. Um, So I, I, I get what you mean. And obviously the fact that it's at East End as well. I think at Tiny, we've touched on the fact that teams should rock up and just be swept aside. And I think Inverness... On Saturday should prove no different. I do find it interesting that you peter on about sort of keeping that current kind of four-two-three-one and what have you. I'm I'm sort of swaying towards seeing what Whiten and Boyce as recognised strikers in a kind of four-four-two would do. Mm-hmm. But I mean, that's just that's just personal preference. I mean, I'd I'd be happy to see us continue in the same fate that we have so far.
0: I'd I'd be honest, I'd be happy with both as well, um, and I think as well with the personnel we have, it's quite an easy system to change during the game, as we have seen in the last couple of games. Um, we've asked every guest this so far, so I'm going to ask you as well, Aaron, how well do you see us doing this season? Because as you say, we're overwhelming favourites, um, we've had people like Borthwick come on who... Is just like we should be winning every single game. He will be disappointed with anything less than twenty-five wins. But then we've had Kami come on and say it's going to be a really hard season because, as you say, the championship is very unpredictable and it can do a lot. What is? Your, I'm not going to ask you for a points total or anything like that. But how do you think we're just going to have this done by February kind of thing, or do you think it could go further than that, or do you think we could struggle in some places?
2: Hopefully, it's. Um... Over before Easter, Part Two: Electric Boogaloo. To be honest, <laughs> like I, I do think we need to get this league wrapped up. Like we're we're going to win the league, and if we somehow don't win the league and this gets clipped, I'll not be a happy bunny. But we need to win this league. We need to, as a, just steamroll our way through this division. Do I think we're going to go through the entire season undefeated? No. I do think we're going to lose at some point, and when that time comes around, don't fire up your airplane because we're still going to win the league. But th- there's guaranteed, there's going to be some idiot, surely, that's going to be going, we should be going unbeaten, Nielsen out, and it's just like, shut up. Like, like, we need to- Don't get me wrong, should we pump this week? Yes. Do I think we're going to pump this week? Also yes. Will we go unbeaten? It's unreasonable to think we're going to go unbeaten. It's disrespectful, because there's a lot of good teams still in this league that, will cause us problems like CRM maybe not get done these anymore. But definitely you've done firm wins, you're Gira uh, Bros, so they're still tricky team to play against despite the win. There will be every team will see us as the biggest scalp. Every team will be determined to cause an upset. And I don't think we're gonna go through this whole season undefeated. But if we can go for it, I wouldn't mind it. But I don't think it's gonna happen. However, if it does, I'll be very happy.
0: That's a very, very well put. And I'm glad you Picked up on Nielsen there because I just wanted to end with many, many Hearts fans. It's probably, in my opinion, a vocal minority who were like Nielsen out the plain idiots and stuff like that. But there were many, many Hearts fans who almost never forgave Nielsen for that two-all draw and then, of course, the one-nil replay and the money spinner comments and stuff like that. However, one of the main reasons I was delighted we won on Saturday, apart from the obvious ones was for him because i think ever since he's come back he's always put so much precedent on that game he said that was the reason we came back earlier that was the reason we've played so many pre-season games that was the reason we had such a good start just thinking for that and at least personally adam i don't know if you agree or you disagree i think and i hope that goes a long way in kind of shutting those people up and being like right He's got over that hurdle now. He had, a, in fairness, had a dreadful record against Hibs. Probably the worst managerial record against Hibs for somebody who has played who has managed consistently for us. But he's now got over that hurdle, and he's done it by outthinking Jack Ross with those changes that changed the game. And just he's, he's he has gotten over that hump. Totally, mate. And I'm
1: delighted. I really hope that this is like you say, the first kind of step for the, the road of recovery for, for Robbie, but he doesn't have to prove anything to me. I think I think if we were to live it all again as much as we'd like to change the record against Tibbs, you know it it is what it is. Um I think you could see how much it meant to him from that final whistle as well. And like you say I was kinda not bemused by the changes, but I was I was wondering, you know, how why he'd taken certain players off and whatever, but it it just goes to show that he he's the one that's paid to make the decisions and ultimately on Saturday he got it absolutely bang
2: on.
0: Absolutely. Aaron, are you fully behind Robin Nielsen?
2: Yes, I he's the man to get us up and he's hopefully the man to continue on, it's obviously, it's a bit of a strange one for me because it's quite funny, I, my first year of high school was the first season back from the Championship, so it's weird, I started it off with Robbie Nielsen, then we kind of lost our way in between, we've had and let me tell you, going to high school in Leith when your team's being managed by Ian Cathro, for example, it's um, it's character building, but
0: <laughs> That's one way of
2: putting it. It? Yeah, it is one way of putting it, but honestly, see, giving it back Given it back when you've won, like, like this morning for example. I walked into there with a Craig Gordon-esque grin, and it was not off my face all day. Right? I had double administration this morning. I had to sit there for two hours and almost have a mental breakdown at spreadsheet errors, and I still walked out of that class beaming with joy, knowing that I could go to every single Hibs fan in the school, walk up to them, and ha- not have to say anything. And just smile at them, and they would know exactly what I meant. What a feeling, honestly. What That's
1: a feeling. Absolutely. Firstly, it's bonkers that you were at school today. Don't.
0: That's <laughs> all of the big fucking sea. The fucking double arching.
1: secondly, I, I I was in I was in sixth year at Pennycook High School, and I'd been made head boy when you were in first year. Uh, I'm assuming it was Leith Academy,
2: wasn't it? Leith Academy, yeah. Yeah. yeah.
1: You in that
2: you championship
1: season, and that, honest to
2: God, that feels like a lifetime ago. That's I, I was in. I was in primary Premier seven. We won a championship. Shut up! Oh my. Shut God. up! <laughs>
0: Shut up! I was. A... I, the next year I went to university. <sighs>
2: Jeez. I mean, so right. um, that's a bit of a a gap.
0: <laughs> oh my fucking God, Adam, hold on. You were head boy. <laughs> Hold on a That's
2: an order of service. Hi, leave me alone. What, what are you trying to say?
0: What school did you go to? That's a a smashing
2: head boy. Thanks
1: very much, mate.
0: What school did you go to?
1: Pennycook High.
0: Ah, that explains it. Then.
2: Ooh, <laughs> Pennycook High.
0: <laughs> and that is how we will leave it there. Aaron, thank you so much for coming on.
2: No bother, at all, mate. do to come on.
0: Of course, everyone will know where to find you. But plug everything that you have.
2: Right here we go. YouTube channel is just my name, Aaron Fraser. My Twitter is at Aaron Fraser 37. My Instagram for all my hearts, football, YouTube's affiliate is at We Are The Gorgie Boys. And um, I think that's it.
0: Well done. He's done very well there, Adam, Mr. Head Boy. Where can folk find you? <laughs> They can
1: find me at Adam T. Kendall on all the socials. And yourself, you cheeky slag.
0: <laughs> That's not my title. That's harsh. That's very harsh. But. <laughs> go on. No, no, what were you going to say? This no, is all in the intro. I was going to say, it's as harsh as saying, you were made head boy. I mean, it's a fair comment they make. However, <laughs> I am at McIver the Mark. We are at Perth to Paisley. You can get in contact with us on the Perth to Paisley Facebook page, Perth to Paisley Twitter. You can email us, perthtapaisley at gmail.com. Please leave us a review on your platform of choice. Massively helps you out. Massive shout out to guys like Rich and stuff like that, who have just been insanely supportive and have just been amazing. Adam, I assume you echo the same sentiment.
1: Oh, totally, mate. Totally. Hearts fans are just the elite of the elite.
0: Absolutely. We will have, I presume, a pupper predicts after Dusty got it wrong. Honestly, absolutely
1: delighted because she would have had to have found a new kennel. Um, <laughs> just absolutely delighted that she's been proven wrong. But yes, we will. And hopefully she sways towards the jambos once more.
0: Absolutely. So you can catch all of that on the Petty Pizley YouTube channel, which is also where you can get the podcast now. It's all happening. We're doing great. We won the Derby, we're going to win the league, see you next time.